like a trivial issue at the time, but I had struggled so much with this and it actually pertained to bullying. Um, and like, just kind of like that mean girl behavior. And this was on, you know, this was when I was 33, 34 years old. So now, you know, going all the way back to being 17, I'm like, oh my God, this is still going on, not with the same people, but this still does go on in society as we get older. I would like to think that people are more mature and change and some people do, but not everybody does. Hi guys, welcome back to the Normalize the Conversation series. My name is Francesca and I'm so excited because today I have good friend Lindsay on and she just has the most incredible story and just she's the most amazing person I've connected with and I'm just so excited for you guys to meet her and to hear her story. So Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so blessed to have connected with you on this platform Um, and it's just been so therapeutic for me to learn about your story and from you. I've met other people already and we've only known each other, um, I think a couple of weeks, maybe not even. So I'm just so excited to be here and discuss everything mental health. Thank you. And just, you're just so sweet. And I'm so like, it's amazing when you connect with somebody in the mental health community because it's so different, right? There's this level of honesty and vulnerability that's just so amazing and everyone's so willing to share their stories and connect with each other and help each other just unlike anything I've ever seen before yeah I think unless you've experienced it firsthand I mean I will say everybody's journey is really different even um I posted something about that today there's no you know um one size fits all when it comes to mental health but if you've been through any kind of experience that pertains to mental health and you have any kind of diagnosis or even if you, you know, just have suffered some like more short-term depression, anxiety, I think it just makes you, first of all, a much more empathetic person, but you really understand where others are coming from in a whole different way. Exactly. It's so amazing when you can, not the experience is amazing itself, but the healing journey through it when you go through it and you kind of take it in, you start to understand it, you process it and you begin to heal and overcome it. And you can take that journey and use it to help others. There's just so much beauty in that and being that supportive, encouraging, empowering voice. And that's why I love so much your page and how much you've been sharing. And recently you shared um, this post about bullying. And I would just love for you to share that story because it's so, so impactful. Sure. So I've actually, it's kind of, it's difficult for me still. Um, This is something that happened to me, as I mentioned in the post. And if anybody wants to go on my page and read the post, it's probably a little bit easier to understand that way. And I left out some details. So that also does make it a little complicated. Um, I did that because there were other people involved um, and some of which were good to me and I wanted to protect their privacy and not um, say exactly what kind of triggered the bullying that came later on. So I think this incident that I talk about initially is really, it was just a way for them to start, or not for them, but for a lot of different people to start 
bullying me. Um, it was kind of an excuse for it in a sense after a while. So it was just kind of the trigger point. Um, and this was something I lived with for now it's about 18 years. Well, 17 years when I first opened up and I first opened up to a very trusted friend. And then once it wasn't so bad talking to her about it, I decided it was finally time to open up about it in therapy. And I remember saying to my therapist, I was like, you know, I'd been in therapy already for about two years and pretty intensively. I currently go to therapy twice a week. I started once a week during the height of the pandemic. I was in therapy, teletherapy three times a week. Um, so I pretty much have spoken about every part of me and this was just something that was kind of eating me up. But again, I didn't really want to talk about it. And I said to the therapist one day, I'm like, listen, do I have to tell you everything? And she was like, no, you don't, you know, only, you know, maybe themes that seem to come up. And what sent me in there in hindsight seemed like a trivial issue at the time, but I had struggled so much with this and it actually pertained to bullying. Um, and like, just kind of like that mean girl behavior. And this was on, you know, this was when I was 33, 34 years old. So now, you know, going all the way back to being 17, I'm like, oh my God, this is still going on, not with the same people, but this still does go on in society as we get older. I would like to think that people are more mature and change and some people do, but not everybody does. So I noticed, oh my God, this is a re-emerging theme. It's kind of what sent me into therapy now, which is kind of ironic. So I was like, I need to talk about this. And I was finally ready. Um, and so, yeah, it started over an incident. Um, again, I'm not going to get into the incident. And I do open up to some people about that. And it's something that everybody in my community kind of knew about. Or so I thought it seemed like that. And I grew up in a very small town and there were a lot of very small towns surrounding that town. And it actually seemed like everybody in those towns knew about it too. And it was just crazy to me how something wasn't insignificant at all, but something got so blown out of hand. And the bullying that stemmed from it went on for years. Um, I went back to school after this incident. I don't know how I did it. If that had happened today, I don't know if I would be as resilient, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I also, I, I think I would have the tools now and I would have handled the whole situation differently. But um, if social media were around and I say this to everybody, the situation, and this like really does kind of choke me up a little bit, but the situation could have turned out very differently. And it scares me to think that. Um, and thank God I came out of it and I'm on the other side of it. And again, so much time has passed. Um, but I went back to school and I was just called every name in the book. Um, it happened around Halloween, every Halloween for years to come. I went to college. I went to college close by. My car was vandalized. My parents' house was vandalized. It got really, really bad. Um, and it just, I didn't even, my closest friends all knew. I did have some very close friends in high school left after this. Not so many, but some. 
my parents knew, but I just was too afraid. I was just so ashamed and kind of, I don't want to play the victim, but kind of made to feel like the bad guy. And it just, I just couldn't talk about it. So I just completely shut down. I stuffed it all the way down. I pretended it never happened. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I forgot about this a few years ago, um, when I first opened up about it, a friend shared a very similar experience that she went through. And it was because of that, that I then shared this with somebody else. I kind of vaguely told her, but I didn't get into details. And then I, again, went to therapy, began to process it and didn't realize how much of a trauma it had been. Um, So that was, yeah, kind of the, and so the post you were talking about, um, my yearbook, my senior yearbook was published and it just, again, I was called terrible. I mean, I would never repeat these things, um, but like vulgar language was used and I don't think this would happen in this day and age, but somehow adults were involved in this process and they're supposed to see that everything is kind of appropriate that goes in there, I believe. And that obviously wasn't the case. And somehow it slipped through the cracks and I didn't know until after I had gotten it. I had a gut feeling that there was gonna be stuff in there. I didn't know it was gonna be this bad. Um, So the post you see is during therapy, I kind of wanted to take the power back. And my therapist and I had decided together that I would rip up all those pages in her office. And it felt very good, I have to say, and I never wanted to look back at it. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of the short of the long. First, I want to say, wow, thank you so much for opening up and sharing that because there are so many instances where a situation happens and it gets thrown out of proportion and bullying and anger and judgment and just pure meanness happens. And a lot of kids' lives are lost because they don't know how to cope. They don't have the tools, the resources available. They feel alone and like no one else has ever gone through this. And Will they be okay? Who can they look up to to see has gone through this? So by you opening up and sharing that can honestly save so many lives because for the first time people can look and say, wow, someone else has gone through this and they came out the other side so much stronger. And now they're sharing their story and helping others. So that's just, I absolutely love that. It's such an inspiration. And second, I would love to talk about, um, how you ripped that up in therapy, because that's such an amazing way to release it, to take all that built up anger and pain from that trauma and just rip it up and say, you're literally tearing it all up and saying, you're gone now. This is done. This is over. I'm free from this. How did yeah. that feel? That must've been so freeing and powerful. At the beginning, for some reason, it was actually really hard for me. And I was, I said to her, I'm like, can you help? Can you literally rip up the first page? Because what if I want this one day for something? Not that what am I going to do with it? But I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I will need to look back. And she was like, why would you want to? And it just, I don't know. So it was really hard. And once I got going, I just wanted to rip up more and more and more of it. I mean, there were only certain pages that referred to myself 
in there. Um, but it was just the most freeing feeling. I remember leaving there and getting in touch with her when I went home. <laughs> I was like, wow, this literally changed my life. And I think I even did it. I happened to be in session, I believe on a Halloween night, which was mm -hmm. ironic because that's when I, I would always every year since it had happened up until, you know, maybe like my mid twenties, I would have to work. I would go home and literally like lock myself in a room and look out the window all night when I was still living at my parents' house and make sure that nobody was coming to do anything. Wow. And it was so hard. So it kind of like came full circle, the whole thing. And it was just the best feeling. And now I look back at that picture that I posted and I'm just so proud that I was able to do it and proud that I was able to share my story. And I know if I had shared it a lot sooner, I would not have walked around with such a weight on my shoulders. And this, you know, I had other mental health, health issues. It wasn't just this that it stemmed from but I think a lot of it a lot of how I dealt with people and my relationships with people and trust issues did really come from that and it's something I just wanted to touch on also before and I feel like I'm doing way too much of the talking I'm sorry I love but, listening um, to you talk well, but um I think I mentioned this I just did like a little Insta like a Instagram story the other day and I was thinking about it and I in college volunteered with a group um, that looked at helped um, high school students with anti-bullying and this, these high school students had formed their own little organization and I had never explained to anyone that I had suffered any type of bullying. I really connected very closely with these people because I could empathize so deeply with them and knew exactly what they were going through. But I think I had at that point in my life, I kind of come so far, I had accomplished a lot in school. And I just, again, I wanted to pretend it never happened. And I've kind of lately, I've been like ashamed of that because maybe I could have helped them back then. And I wish I could have opened up to my superior um, who was overseeing this and told her about it, but I just, could not and it's just funny how things turn out because you know now all I want to do is talk about it all I want to do is get my story out there and I think I kind of you know I wanted to take back the power in the situation I always said I started this platform on Instagram as a fashion lifestyle blog and now I've pivoted a bit to talk more about mental health because that seems to be what people want um and when I first started with it, um, I was really actually very nervous. I was like, what if one, you know, one day, let's just say it's not going to happen, but let's say, you know, I kind of had a following and had people that respected me and somebody else kind of put this out there. I was really afraid that it was just going to damage me so badly and make me not want to pursue any of this. So I kind of wanted it to come from me. And again, that was really empowering as well. I love that. And I really want to touch on that, that fear of opening up and sharing your story because so many people go through that. And I'm a firm believer that when the time is right, 
we will have that strength because we all have the strength within us to overcome what we've gone through and to open up and make our voices heard. But I think it takes a while for us to find that strength. And I think we find it at the right time. And I feel like you found it at the right time because when you were ready to open up and to share, we had connected, you connected with the high school students who were doing that amazing organization or platform to stop bullying. And I think that's just so important in God or the universe or whatever you believe in connects us at the right time to the right people to that help us or that find, help us find ourselves. And then we have that voice and suddenly we're able to share our voice. And I think it's just so amazing when we do share a voice and we take that power back. I remember when I first started opening up about my mental health, I was getting in so much trouble. I had family members, friends, everyone like, do not talk about it. You're never going to get into another college program. You're never going to get, no one's ever going to want to marry you. Like your life is going to be over. No one's going to hire you. That's it. And I was like, if someone doesn't want to hire me or marry me or let me into their school, because I'm honest about who I am and I want to help people from my struggle, then I don't want to be near them. Like they don't deserve me. It's not that I don't deserve them or I'm not good enough. It's that they're not good enough to be able to open their hearts. And I think there's just so much power in that when you realize that and you just take your power back, you take your story back and your story is no longer this overwhelming feeling that's controlling your life. It's now part of who you are, part of your past and the motivation behind who you are going to be in the future and how many lives you're going to impact. And I just absolutely love that. And I love connecting with people who are the same way. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, we're often so critical of ourselves and that's something I struggle with immensely. Um, but having that sense of power and control in a good way, obviously is just so fulfilling and gratifying um, and then again, like connecting with you through that, I honestly was going to take down the, I, so I posted it on Instagram and I also posted it, which is my more public, obviously platform. And then I posted it on Facebook where I have more of my friends and family. Um, and when I posted it on Facebook, I wasn't initially necessarily going to post it on Instagram either, but, um, I had been in touch just randomly somebody from good housekeeping had gotten in touch with me and we were just the story was about isolation during the pandemic and I had mentioned that and I somehow just very briefly mentioned that I had gotten back in touch with people from school and I guess that led me into a little bit of um, how I was bullied by some people back in school and like now some of these people I'm somewhat friendly with not all of them there are some that I will just never speak to again because again like I said before I think people change I want to believe people change um or maybe I said that before we even started filming I'm not sure but um I don't think that's always always the case so um they pulled this little snippet of what I had said and it was actually in the January February issue of Good Housekeeping this year oh, wow. and it talked about bullying and when that was publicized and I posted about that, I was like, okay, I need to go further with this. I need to explain a little bit more where I'm coming from because like those who, some of those who knew me in my later life didn't know about any of this, obviously, because I kept it hidden. Um, so that kind of made me want to do it. And then I got so much amazing feedback from posting it on Instagram. But when I posted it on Facebook, 
for those who knew me back then, I kind of almost had a harder time with that because, mm-hmm. you know, some people were like, why didn't you share this with me then? And we didn't know, or we did know, but we didn't know how to address it. And I said, I was going to take it down. And I, and one of my friends was like, do not take this down. If anything, <laughs> move forward with it, get it out there more. And I'm so glad that I did because it just kind of, you know, validated who I am as a person and the good that I want to do. And like I said, I'm so critical of myself. So it just was very rewarding, but hard too. I mean, I still, every time I have a conversation about it with somebody, like, I think I'm, you know, I'm still processing it. A year seems kind of like a long time, but I kept it in for 17 years. So the year has not been that long. So, you know, I've gotten a few texts in the last few days from people and every time it's just like, cue the waterworks again. And not in a bad way, always. Sometimes they're kind of almost like tears of joy. It's like a release, but yeah. That's just absolutely amazing. And again, to take something that was really weighing you down for so long, that was kind of locking you down into this box of who you didn't want to be and who you didn't want anyone to know you were. And then to one day just be like, I'm ready to share and to open up and to use my story to help others is just the most amazing, incredible thing. And I am like, if there's one thing in this world that I would love everyone to do is have the opportunity to take something that hurt them for so long and to free themselves of that pain and use it to empower themselves and empower others to live their best lives, to be authentic, to be honest, to be vulnerable and watch the amazing positive effects that come out of it. You have, you never know how many people, people's lives you're going to touch just by sharing your story. And there's always one story I love to share because a lot of people don't realize sometimes when we do something nice, how far kindness goes. So I volunteer with the crisis text line. I don't do it as much as I did in the beginning of the pandemic. Thank you. But what I love. And you're amazing. And I want everybody to know at some point you're going to have to come back on my page and tell your story too, because wow. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. But during this time, I um, was just sitting on the platform and messaging back with people who were in crisis, who were looking for resources, who were looking for support or ways to support a loved one who was struggling. And there was this one conversation that I got that I probably didn't think too much of it at the time. But then a few weeks later, I was at the store, I think it was at the local grocery market going to get food. And someone stopped me because they saw my semicolon tattoo. And they were like, is that for suicide prevention? And I was like, yeah, it is. And they were like, wow, I just um, reached out to the crisis text line like about a week ago and the person on there like saved my life. And they were telling me about their story and they asked my name and I said, it was Francesca. And they're like, do you ever go by Fran? And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like on the platform, I would use Fran because you're only allowed so many characters. Turns out I was the person who helped him. So I literally just, I have chills. Although it was like something small I did for two to three hours a night and I was taking multiple conversations at a time. And although I felt everyone's heart with every conversation, it wasn't, it's different when you can't see the person, you don't know their name, you have no connection to them. It's not that same deep feeling. And I think that's what I loved about it was 
versus having the phone and the National Suicide Prevention Line hearing someone's voice, I think I didn't know if I was ready to hold that much space. So this was something small that I could do to help others. And I didn't realize how many lives I could impact. And you say small, it's not so small because it's pretty incredible. Thank you. But it's one of my favorite things to do. And I wish I had more time to do it because just being kind to somebody, listening to them, validating them, offering them support, asking them what makes them feel strong. What's something that you can do that makes you feel strong? When do you feel your best? When's the last time you did that? And just remind them that there are things that make them feel good. And they can do that instead of going to hurt themselves. And then they do. And then you may never meet them. You probably won't meet them. I mean, the crisis text line is international. What are the chances in the small town that I'm living in, in my college town, that I'm going to run into the person I helped? But it was I like- I just can't believe it. The world works in such mysterious ways. The universe wanted me to know that all that work I was putting in every time I was sharing my story and going out there and doing something that you are impacting lives. And I think it was a time I really needed to know that what I was doing was not just me kind of forcing the world to hold space for me every time I shared my story, but I was holding space for other people and able to save lives. And I think that's what we don't realize is our actions and our words can damage or save someone's life. And we have to be careful and be accountable for that. And also know that when we take something bad that happens to us and we have two options, I always say, we can live with it and let it affect our heart, make our heart dark, make us cold because we don't want to feel that way. And we unfortunately project it onto other people or we can hold it in our heart and learn from it, process it, grow from it and use that to help others. And I truly hope that everyone is as amazing as you and chooses to help others and share their story because it is so important and you never know whose life you're going to change. Well, thank you. But I really, I mean, for a while, I think I did, you know, obviously when I was holding it in, I think it did make, I'm going to just throw it out there. I think it did make me somewhat of a bitter person. And I always, you know, went on and made new friends and all and tried to be social throughout the years and all that. But I, I was angry and that's changed and I've been able to let that go. So and there's so that's, much power that's a good in, feeling, like you said, there's so much power in saying that and admitting that because our trauma and things that hurt us, they hurt us and they make us feel sad. They make us feel angry. They make us feel all of these emotions that we don't know how to process and we don't know how to control and it's overwhelming. And we do tend to sometimes get bitter or angry or upset and we project it out into the world. And the moment we decide we're going to reclaim our power, we are going to process it, we're going to heal from it, and we're going to use it to help others is that moment where everything changes. And suddenly, there's this light inside of you, and where it kind of felt like darkness for so long. And then you can see that light, and I can see that light shining through you, and it just radiates to everyone around you, even through the screen. And that's what's so amazing. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, coming from you and hearing your story, it just it means so, I mean, it means so much from everyone when you hear all of that, but when other people have been through similar situations, it just resonates so much more and just, I don't know, again, it's a deeper kind of connection and you can't kind of explain it, but yeah, I think if you've suffered in that way, 
you got it. Yeah, it's like your souls are connected. So back to the whole experience with bullying, how did that affect your mental health? That had to be really difficult when you're holding it all in. It's overwhelming. I mean, how was your mental health affected by that? My, so I suffered from anxiety since I was a young child. Um, I had bounced around occasionally from therapist to therapist when my parents would put me in therapy. I never stuck with it. Um, so I had had, I think it's, again, and there's so much controversy on where it stems from, but I think in my case, it's partly genetic. Um, and then experiences also shape that as well, I believe. So it was with me through the years, um, you know, middle school too, there wasn't so much of the bullying, but I just kind of, I was always anxious. I was socially anxious. Um, and then in high school, it got worse. And then this incident definitely made it get much worse. Um, I also suffer from and I didn't go through my diagnoses and I'm totally open to doing that, but from um, illness anxiety disorder, which was formerly known as health anxiety or more simply known as health anxiety. And I had lost um, a couple of people in my family in a short period of time from when I was like in high school to the beginning of college. Um, so that also kind of, and then I've had some of my own physical little like health scares and stuff. So that kind of also really fueled my anxiety big time. Um, and then I started to become depressed because of it. it snowballed into that. Um, so the bully, that bullying, I didn't realize at the time, it, it, but it did take such a toll on me. And then what really, um, when I kind of hit rock bottom was when I um, was bullied. I think I want to say bullied so much. I guess it was bullied um, by just like a group of mean girls. And I thought these girls were my friends and it turns out they weren't. And I actually experienced some, um, uh, internet bullying and social media bullying, which was kind of crazy at the time, just because we were in our thirties. <laughs> we just don't think that's going to happen, but it did. And, um, that's when, again, um, things just hit the fan <laughs> to say it. So it's PC. And, um, that really just sent me down a spiral and my anxiety from there, you know, I'm like I always say, very much a work in progress. I am not by any means cured. I believe, and I, this may be controversial, I don't know, and maybe this will change one day, but I believe that this is something I will always suffer from. I don't think there's a cure, a magic pill um, that's necessarily going to fix it, but you learn to manage it better. I'm going to interrupt you for one second because it is so true that I think when it comes to anxiety specifically, a lot of people think you just heal from it and you overcome it and you're never going to have anxiety. And a lot of people, at least in my experience, live with it for the rest of their lives. And people don't realize how difficult living with anxiety is. I think anxiety has been downplayed a lot and it's been kind of made as a joke when it comes to mental illness that people don't realize that anxiety is a serious thing. A panic attack is very serious. It's not just feeling overwhelmed and crying. 
it can be debilitating. Sometimes you can't move. You can't do anything. You are literally stuck and you feel trapped and you're terrified and it's overwhelming. And it's so many different feelings. Your heart's racing. You're sweating. It's just, it's not what people think it is. So I said that because people don't realize that it is something that a lot of people will live with for a very long time. Absolutely. And it just kind of reminded me of, I remember, I think I was in high school when this happened and, um, a close friend had said to me, you know, oh, I'm so sick of all these girls complaining about their anxiety all the time and everything. And I think and it was the first time I kind of, you know, almost heard the word. I mean, I had heard it before and I knew what it what kind of what it was and how it was defined when I was young, but I didn't know the extent of how bad it could get. And I just was like, I mean, peop- this is a serious at that point, I started to know that this is a serious disorder. And yes, I think part of the problem is people, it's become kind of a catchphrase. Oh, my anxiety. And obviously I think it's a spectrum. People have, you know, lesser forms of it and people have forms of it that are debilitating. Exactly. Um, But people throw around the term or, you know, another people throw around the term my OCD. Yes. I suffer from OCD which is a newer diagnosis for me, or it's not, I mean, I was diagnosed um, more recently. However, it's, sorry, just shifting positions, <laughs> but it's, um, it was brought to my, I was formally diagnosed um, more recently. And I remember people would always throw that word around. And I was like, it's not just like this buzzword that, yeah. you know, and I think we have to be careful of our language, especially yes. with our youth and Yes, yes, yes. There is so much, especially I think the media plays a very big part in this where, you know, it's like something, something like an eating disorder, they make fun of it on TV a lot of times like, oh, no, I don't eat or I'm just going to sniff the chocolate and throw it out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, then anxiety is like, oh, my my anxiety is getting so bad. And it's like, no, there's anxiety and there's a normal amount of stress. And it's good to be afraid. It's good to be stressed out because that's when you're kind of getting out of your comfort zone. And if exactly, you, it propels you to do things that you exactly need to do. You move forward and go for it and try new things. And you would never do that if you didn't have anxiety or fear or worry or stress. But then there is anxiety, anxiety as a disorder. And it is very, very different. It's just like feeling sad and feeling depressed are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Having depression is not feeling depressed that's a whole, they're very, very different. And we don't do a good job. And the media, I think is very responsible for this of explaining what it is and they throw it around. And then do you remember that one Christmas where Target came out with the OCD sweaters and it was like obsessive Christmas disorder? I don't think I knew about that. Yes, they did. And I remember being so mad when I saw it because I was like, as someone who's never experienced OCD and my knowledge has slowly getting more and more to understanding it. I attended this amazing support group. I'll tell you all about after. Ooh, I want to hear. But, and I learned so much about it, but I knew, I was like, they took something from mental health, mental illness that's very serious, that can be very debilitating, very scary, very overwhelming, very difficult to cope with and to learn how to cope with and to be a family member supporting if you don't understand. And they made it into a joke to sell merchandise to profit off of. And I was like, They just took something so serious and they made it into a joke. And the media and retail, 
they do that a lot with mental health because they think that it's funny and joking about mental health is not funny because it is very, very difficult to understand when you're first going through it too, right? When you're starting to realize, oh, maybe I have anxiety, maybe I have depression, maybe I have bipolar disorder, maybe I have OCD, ADHD, whatever it is. It's scary because you don't know how the world's going to react. You don't know how you're going to react and how this is going to change your life or define your life. And it's made so light of in the media and it makes me so mad. So I just want to touch on that real quick, but you can continue. Yeah, no, I totally, I've seen other products and I can't remember, you know, right now, like off the top of my head, but I have seen, I remember there were a couple of stores a few years ago, and maybe that was actually one of them that got in trouble for selling merchandise that, um, you know, like showed different kinds of like pills and like using the word crazy and all sorts of stuff. So you just really have to be careful with, with all of that in our language. And I think that's something that's also important, so important for our youth. It is because this is how they're going to grow up and learn how to have these conversations. And I think that's one of the biggest contributing factors to the current stigma is this lack of education. It's not people aren't judgmental and hateful because they want to be. It's never or it's not that's never intentional. Sometimes it is intentional, but majority of the time it's not intentional. It's a lack of understanding and education. And that society's fault as a whole, our school systems for not educating us when we're younger um, the government for not making sure that this is at the forefront of politics, at the forefront of making sure treatment's accessible for everybody and making sure that schools are required to be teaching this, right? It's the media and the way the media portrays it. There's so many people failing in this. It's all of us as a whole. It's a collective. I think we've all failed to make mental health a very important conversation where we're educating people instead of putting them into a box because we don't understand them and putting them into this box that we can understand by just saying crazy and manic and lunatic. And I just, it probably is one of the things that drives me so, so crazy because there doesn't need to be a stigma. Everyone's like, let's end the stigma. I'm like, let's end the stigma and make education for mental health. One of the forefronts of the world, you know, it would be so easy for the media media to start changing the way they portray the narratives. It'd be so easy for the government to start finding ways to reallocate funding towards treatment accessibility, making sure everyone has access to treatment. It would be so easy for schools to add a wellness course in or to have mental health days or to do something to help kids understand what mental health and mental illness is and mental wellness and coping mechanisms they can use to get through it. And that therapy is okay. And actually you can go to therapy for so many different reasons. You don't have to be crazy. No. And I think, yeah, that's what, I mean, it's everybody. And I was just having this conversation with somebody last night. Everybody I talk to for the most part, first of all, everybody knows somebody that's suffering or is related to somebody that's suffering. But even in my immediate friend group, I really can't think of any of my friend or even more than my immediate friend group, my extended friend group, just my network of people I know, I really can't think of anyone that has not attended therapy, um, been hospitalized, um, taken medication, or, you know, hasn't experienced something else mental health related. And so we all, we all have mental health, um, mental illness is different. Yeah. But um, I think we need to understand the difference between the two. 
And then also, yeah, just start educating at an earlier age um, as well. And like you said, it's, I think I posted something today. Again, I keep talking about posted but I posted and actually the reason I'm posting so much of this part of it is because of you because you've inspired me so much with everything you keep talking about I'm like oh now I want to just like get it all out there um but I posted something this morning on medication and the stigma surrounding medication and it is a controversial topic and I understand why um I was speaking with somebody recently and you know I, I talked about medication has been very difficult for me. And if and obviously this is going to air at a later date. So I keep saying, oh, if you check my post from today, but it won't be there from today. But I Real can, quick, before you continue, yes. can you just say your handle so that anyone who's listening knows where to go? Sure. It's Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, not that Aster, A-S-T-O-R. Um, is Aster, the spelling. <laughs> I just always spell it out because there's different spellings. Um, and if you follow Francesca, you can find me there. Yeah, I'll tag well. her, but just because <laughs> but, keep um, saying it, I'm like, they need to know. <laughs> we need yeah. to tell them. So, um, you know, there's a long story behind that name as well. I keep thinking about changing it, but now that it's been around for a little while, I kind of don't want to do that. Um, however, yeah, so I was talking about medication with somebody and we were talking about the stigma of mental health and how horrible this all is and everything. And then they were talking about medication and they were like, and I've heard this from a few people and they were like, you know, just not that I would ever tell any, but the specifics of any conversation I had and you know, who the conversation was with, but they were like, make sure nobody knows about this, about the, you know, medication. I t- And like, for me at this point, again, I'm very vocal about it and everybody's different. And I believe some people can share and some people don't have it in them to share and aren't ready to share. And that's fine as well. Um, but I was like, in a way that's just kind of reinforcing the stigma by keeping it so hush hush and not wanting anybody to know. And, and it's fine. I get that it can be private and it's, it's a hard decision to make. I mean, I've been, I think it's been one of one of the hardest parts of my journey and then in a sense kind of a part of my journey not not emotionally the hardest maybe but I guess physically in a sense and just the most frustrating I think it's been the most frustrating part of my journey I should say because I have not had a lot of luck with medications. I have done genetic testing, which lets you know if you need it. Now I'm kind of getting into the scientific part of it, which I don't know much about. I'm not an expert. Um, but an SSRI versus an SNRI and, you know, mood stabilizers and antipsychotics, which, you know, people don't like to hear the term antipsychotic. However, these antipsychotics can be used for OCD for depression, for anxiety as well. So they use them for other things and a combination of them. And I've really, I've been with two different psychiatrists over the past about eight years and I haven't had a lot of success with medication and I do currently take it. Um, And then there are the benzodiazepines and those are very addictive and they're not supposed to be long-term. However, 
they do tend to work better than some of the others. And then you have a whole other problem there. So um, the medication is really, really difficult and such a personal decision. And again, you can only be prescribed medication by an MD, by a psychiatrist. I think there are certain nurse, like nurse correct um, psychiatric nurses that can also sometimes prescribe it. I think that's a little more rare, but um, a therapist can't prescribe medication. Sometimes people get confused between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Um, but that's been really, really tricky. So I know, and I talk to a lot of people that seem to have side effects with that. I could go on forever. <laughs> I just loved that post so much because I would love to live in a world where going up to someone saying, yeah, I'm on amoxicillin. I have a cold is the same as saying I'm on Xanax. I have anxiety. Like that would be amazing if it was just, if it was that normal and there wasn't all that judgment and stigma associated with it. And we are running close on time, but I did also want, you are good, but I also wanted to talk about quickly how medication is so difficult to figure out which one's going to work for you. And I know for me personally, I'm not currently on medication. I tried medication and the one I tried was Lexapro and it, I reacted so bad to it. I was turned off from medicine. And it's I funny recently- say it because I don't usually take a whole one but that's currently what I'm on. I've been on everything. So how do you feel on it? For me, I felt very over tense, over panicky. I was shaking. I was screaming constantly. Like I got angry, got just overwhelmed. I couldn't get out of my head. I honestly, and I'm on a pretty high dosage, I will say too, because I don't tend to do well at lower dosages because they just don't do much for me. I think at this point, the OCD, again, I have a few diagnoses. The OCD is such a problem for me and it's not so much the repetitive behavior, like physical patterns and physical manifestations of it. For me, it's more so the intrusive thoughts. It really has not helped me with that. And that's what I'm struggling most with currently. Um, I don't find it to help that much. I can't say that it's hurt me. I haven't had a lot of adverse side effects either, which is a good thing. Um, But again, I just haven't found it helpful. And for the most part, most of the medications I've been on, I haven't found them helpful. I was on one or two that I felt like you were saying very panicky, very racy, shaky, um, you know, just random side effects. But I have to say, this just doesn't seem, and I'm staying the course with it now because also we are going through a pandemic and I could be doing better. I have my good, good for me, my baseline days and I have my, um, you know, my bad days and my very bad days, but I'm somewhat stable. And since we are in such a state of unknown right now, um, my doctors and myself have decided it's better to be on something because I don't know how I would react being on nothing. So it doesn't feel great. But again, we're in, you know, a very difficult situation that we've never been in unprecedented unprecedented times so exactly who knows it could have been different if it was my normal day-to-day thank you so much for sharing that because I want people listening to realize that just because a medicine didn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for somebody else so when somebody tells you oh I don't like that medication it didn't work for me doesn't mean it won't work for you meet with your doctor find out if it has the opportunity to help you if the doctor thinks it might 
give it a try and see. You can't judge it based on somebody else because all of our bodies are differently and we all react differently. And I think that was just the perfect, perfect example of it. For me, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was a mess. And for you, it's kind of helping. And it's not helping completely in everything. And that's also important to note that sometimes it's really difficult to find a medication that's going to help everything. And I don't know if it's possible to find one medication that helps everything, if there's a combination, if there's some things that medication can't help. But that's something you can reach out to a doctor and ask because you don't know unless you try. Yes, I can't emphasize this enough. You Well, first of all, you can't get prescribed medication without a, an internist, yeah. preferably, I think, a psychiatrist um, who specializes in that field. But it's also finding a psychiatrist is not easy by any means, especially one that takes your insurance, which is a huge problem we've talked about. Um, financially, mental health is just so hard. I'm going to interrupt um, you real quick. We have the T3 yeah. mental health grant, which provides financial assistance and individuals living with mental illness who need treatment. So if you are someone who needs treatment, but can't afford it, please apply on our website. Consider- oh, that's amazing. You Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, and medications are expensive and all of that. So, um, but I, that's why I tend to sometimes not even, and I didn't mind sharing it here at at all because it came up and um I like every conversation to also be a little bit different so again it's nice to share something that I haven't shared but um I sometimes don't share purposely with others um what I'm taking just because again I think that so much of the time what works for me isn't going to work for you or vice versa um so yeah you can't again it's everybody's so different everybody's body chemistry reacts so differently there is genetic testing that didn't help me so much either, but it is something to maybe um, talk about with a doctor and most psychiatrists know more about that. So thanks to modern medicine, we do have some better tools to help figure out, you know, what might be more successful for each person. Exactly. And just because um, medication isn't something that you're interested in, doesn't mean that there's nothing out there to help you. Mm-hmm. I personally did neurofeedback therapy and that really yeah. helped me. That was just How another that? example. It's I don't know much about it. So I have my old scans that I will show you and I can show you Ooh. how it works. It's so cool. I was thinking of doing a post about it. I'm going to get my Absolutely. remapped. So it'll be two years since I did it, I think in April. So I'm going to have my brain remapped so I can show the progress. But you I can see... Where your brain, where in your brain, the anxiety or the depression or the OCD or the ADHD, where it lies and where it's at and what levels you're at. And you do a self-serving, you answer questions and then it maps your brain and it checks to see how you answered versus how your brain chemicals are working or the wavelengths and the frequency and sees, it gives you a proper diagnosis based on that because we found out it seemed like I had really, really severe depression, which I do have major depressive disorder. And my anxiety seemed a little less. Turned out in my brain, most of it was anxiety. Interesting. You know that. So it's treating it a little differently. And then um, you have the EEG like wires on your head. Yeah. You're watching this movie and you have a breathing belt on and a heart monitor on. And every time your heart starts to race, every time you're breathing more than six breaths a minute, every time you have intrusive thoughts going off and your brain's changing the movie will either pause or it'll like go in and out. 
at least this was the example I did. So then you had to pay attention to it and try to bring yourself back and learn how to calm your heart rate, learn how to calm your breath, learn how to control your thoughts. And it changed my life. It was amazing. But like, so that was something that worked for me, but that doesn't work for everybody. And that's what's so amazing about science and modern medicine and Western Eastern medicine. There's holistic things that will work. There's medication type things that will work, but everything is different for everyone. And sometimes it's that perfect mix. And I think it's so important to recognize that. I'm just curious. Did you go to a neurologist for that or a psychiatrist or somebody who specializes in... I went to this place called NeuroCore and it was, um, there's a couple, I think, locations around. Okay. The- I have to look that up. I loved it. And, um, I have a therapist who is licensed in it. So I don't know, or certified in it. And I don't know how okay. the certification or license licensing works, but I do have a therapist who's certified in it. So that way she can help monitor and see because it's something that really helped me and I liked. Wow, that's amazing. I'm definitely going to check that out. Well, we are out of time. So thank you so, so much for joining. I'm like, I could talk to you forever. Right? When do we get to do this again? I would love to have you back. But thank you again so much for joining me. Because Thank you you for having me. Oh, and same right back at you. Likewise, you've actually, I had a kind of rough week. Um, I know we're we're done with time. <laughs> but um, I just quickly have to mention, I did some work for a um, organization. Um, it's called the Youth Mental Health Project. And um, we actually, we, um, I played a very small part in helping on a film actually called No Letting Go, which looked at a family based on a true story, um, a family with a son with bipolar disorder. And one of the co-producers of the movie and one of the um, the members of the board of directors um, passed away this week after a long battle with leukemia. And it's been a really tough week. And um, I just want to thank you because you have supported me and were there for me. And I was like, originally, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this today. And you just made it so much easier. And I just want to thank you for that. So anytime I can help you with your organization and all the good work you're doing, you know, we will, this is just the beginning. 